Hello, and welcome to Artbox. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I went to Miami, Florida for the art fairs. It was fun and challenging, covering a lot of ground, meeting new people, seeing friends, endless walking, and cabbies complaining about the traffic, which, by the way, made me laugh compared to our traffic. The first fair I went to was Scope. Scope showcases international emerging contemporary art. As I was walking around, I met Tim Cohen. Tim does photorealistic works of freight train graffiti. Well, thank you first and foremost for doing this. If you could please introduce yourself and please tell me, me a little bit about yourself. My name is Tim Conlon. Um, I'm an artist here at Art Basel showing my uh, graffiti art that's based off of freight trains. How did you get onto the theme with freight trains? I've been painting freight trains for probably around 30 years. Wow. Uh, started in the early 90s in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm originally from Washington, D.C. I live now in Los Angeles. Um, it's a long story, but eventually um, I ended up doing a show at the Smithsonian National Portrait Gallery. And after that museum show, uh, I had galleries approach me and they wanted me to show some of my art that they could sell in galleries, which I was not doing at the time because I was doing uh, what I like to call uncommissioned work on yeah. freight trains. So uh, I decided, okay, I've been painting these trains for a long time. I would like to, you know, maybe still focus on that work uh, since I know the history of trains. I enjoy trains and, you know, that seemed like a draw for what my art should be. So I decided to, instead of just painting graffiti on canvas, I would paint a canvas to look like a real freight train using spray paint and then adding graffiti on top of that. So it looks like a photorealistic piece of a train cut from an actual boxcar. Yeah, no, it, it is very beautiful and the detail that goes into it. And I wanted to ask about, so you also have freight cars that you make. Do you make the freight cars by hand or do you find those like in a, some kind of hobby list? Or? Well, there's, a, there's a couple different freight cars that I use. So there's these smaller cars called G-scales, oh, uh, yeah. which means a garden scale. Okay. So you might see like these smaller HO scales, you know, a lot of people are familiar with. These are about two feet long and they're called garden scale because usually people would have them outdoors in a garden oh. because you need a long, big winding track to have these trains kind of traverse it. Otherwise, they would just tip over. So yeah, those, those box cars, you know, you'd find at a hobby shop. Uh, I'd say that kind of uh, collecting and it's kind of died off. So a lot of companies have, have just shut down. So there's only a few that still make these trains. So I've, I've oh, wow. had to hunt them over the years and find wow. these trains, you know, at, at model shops. Now I have to like go find them either on eBay or like in old little shops up in Canada or something like wow. that. Wow. So it's getting even more hard for you. It is. Uh, and it originally started uh, back in 2011. There was a show called Art in the Streets in Los Angeles. And I was asked to curate a section of the show that kind of showed the history of graffiti that started on freight trains in the early 90s and kind of match up the artists from different cities across the country. Because the focus of painting on freight trains is to have your art travel from place to place. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a graffiti writer would usually just paint in a city or back in the days just on a subway car. Yeah. Well, we had the idea, well, why don't we try to make a nationwide, you know, get your art everywhere. Instead of focus, of course, with freight trains is if you see a company, uh, you know, CSX train or some of these smaller train companies that I've painted on canvas, you know that, all right, they go from Baltimore to Detroit because they carry auto parts or yeah. this other train carries uh, bricks because it goes from a certain area of, say, Baltimore again to the Northeast or whatever. So would someone ever get the route that was from like Harpers Ferry, West Virginia to parts unknown because all they send out there is just gravel? 
That that could be, yeah. I mean, okay. about some of your trends, you never know where they go because of these bigger companies, especially. You know, they could send something out to St. Louis, and then all of a sudden that train gets split up and the heads then down towards Arkansas and then out towards the West. So you never know with some of these trains where they're going to end up. Some yeah. of them, though, you know, specifically if you've painted them at a certain spot where you know, all right, well, this is where bricks are made, and they get loaded onto the train, you're going to figure out, all right, well, it's going to get shipped to another place that unloads bricks and then you can kind of figure out tracing like the company and the train car. So it sounds like you're basically, it's like a message in a bottle kind of thing, but the message in the bottle and you throw it in the ocean. Back in the nineties, uh, before the internet was really kicking off, yeah. it was uh, kind of more of a folk art because we would paint the trains at night and then take a photo in, in the dark on film because we didn't have digital cameras. <laughs> it would leave and take off. Then it came across booth D29 and met Titina and we talked about the art that was displayed in the booth. So, shall I start? Yeah, please introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about yourself and then about the artist. Okay, so we are uh, an art and cultural organization from London. We're called Metamorphosis Art Project, and it's my colleague Eva Megor and I, Tatiana Blinkasev. Uh, we are doing an exhibition at Scope, uh, Miami Beach, together with uh, the gallery from Miami, Knife Gallery, with Massimo Maltese. Uh, we have decided to present only one artist this time, because this artist is so particular. He's so unique that uh, we just couldn't mix him with anybody else. This artist does never touch surface of the painting. He never touches the, uh, the surface of the canvas. He pours... Right, like he doesn't use a brush, he doesn't do he anything. Yeah. No, he never uses brush. He uses different tools to manipulate paint. So what he does, he pours different viscosity of paint onto the canvas. He manipulates that paint into a shape that he wants to be. Now, for him, the shapes are not the priority. For him, it's emotion, it's energy mm. that he's transmitting. And how he manipulates that paint, how he uses his tools, it all depends what he wants to achieve. Now, his working process is uh, very laborious. And it's almost an art performance in its own right. Hmm. He's using uh, poles, uh, fans, uh, different tools to manipulate that paint. But he is holding the canvas. He is shaking the canvas. He is actually uh, manipulating the, the large paintings themselves right. uh, into, uh, and paint on them into position. Now, we are presenting here four cycles of paintings. First cycle is uh, Mesozoic. Uh, Mesozoic landscapes. You have to think that Mesozoic was time when there was when nature ruled on Earth. Yeah. But there was no man, and he's using quite thin paint. These paintings dry in six to nine months' time. Okay. And he produces this marvelous, beautiful, abstract landscapes. But one of the most important things for him is that he is mixing into his oil paints also UV reactive pigments. So all of these paintings have different aspects. They have second phase, they have different other phase. So if you look at them under the white light, you will see these uh, vibrant, exuberant colors. And textural. And they're very textural. Yeah. Maybe Mesozoic is slightly less textural than other cycles of paintings. Right, right, yeah. But we will come just in yeah, a moment we'll, to we'll that. We'll get to that, yeah. I don't want to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. After Mesozoic, I think, think about it. The times when the nature ruled. Yeah. Now, he moved on to a second cycle of paintings, that is Genesis. Genesis, birth of life, right. big bang of life, the birth of man 
as we know it today, the birth of intellect, the birth of, of thinking man. The composition and the texture of painting reflects that. The composition of Genesis paintings is composition of a big bang. You see that there is a nucleus in the middle and then there are lines and energies bursting out of it. It's done in slightly more viscose paint so that there is this beautiful like a crust, like a moonscape forming around the nucleus. Yeah. And the colors, he's pouring various layers of colors. So certain colors come through from underneath to the surface. Uh, he, he's also used uh, UV reactive pigments. So this painting transforms under the blue light as well. The artist actually poses a question, what is reality? Is it what you see, what is in front of you now under the white light? Right, at a normal light. Under right. the normal light. Or is it what you know is there? Because mm. we know he's using UV pigments and we know that these paintings transform, but we, we are not seeing it. Yeah. So it's just a, a food for thought. Well, I, I love the food for thoughts. Yes. I really yes, do. Yes. It offers opportunity to everybody actually to to find themselves, to, to uh, open up a dialogue with, with the work of art. After checking into my hotel, I went to Aqua Art Miami Open. I waited in line for a bit and met collectors, and we had a great conversation about passion and art. Once inside, I started to notice the different rooms had environmental themes and themes on gun violence. The next day, I was off to Pult's Art Fair, where I met Julie, who does acoustic painting of seascapes. If you could please introduce yourself to me and tell me the uh, what themes and mediums you like to uh, work with. I'm an acoustic painter. Um, I work with, the majority of my paintings are water-based paintings, but I have some new work that's different, but um, the majority of it is, beaches. they look like overhead, um, it was like drone shots of beaches, mostly, or white water. Yeah, when I saw the work in there, I, I thought it was hand-painted, I really, I didn't know it was acoustic work, so I, I had to ask, and it, it is very beautiful. I see what you mean. It has that looks the approach of uh, being like, like a drone or overhead or an airplane, as it's an like example. An airplane flying over. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, I use encaustic, which is a very ancient um, medium. Pliny the Elder describes it. And it's um, beeswax, damar resin. Um, you've changed the ratio depending on Wait, beeswax can get toxic if it's overheated? Well, we vaporize it. Oh, the vaporization. Oh, right. Well, it is a carcinogen, <laughs> I guess, at that point. Well, it's, if you inhaled it, it's like, it's a little bit. So I, I, I paint with a hot wax, and then I use a blowtorch, and I make many, many layers, and, and I heat the wax, and I move the pigments to actually, when it's hot, it looks like actual ocean waves. So when you're doing it, it kind of captures actual real motion of water because it's it, 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 like that yeah. <laughs> yeah so and then i have other body that's more abstract it's um 
metal pigments or metal powders that yeah. I, I put on top of the wax and use gold. Like bronzing powder as an example? I use bronzing powders, yeah, exactly. Speaking of carcinogens, that's that's really bad. He's an for that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it gets on everything. It's very very. Messy. It does. Yeah. My dog. So, what other themes uh, besides the beach and abstract stuff do you like to explore in your work? So the the water work um, is based on this word sagade, which is a Portuguese word. Um, it came. The, the whole body of work is kind of about memory and about. Um, I we traveled a lot. I lived in Southeast Asia. I've been to lots of beaches and seen some amazing things and uh, my husband's a surfer and so we, we like to see the world and a lot of these places are are never will never go there again or they don't exist anymore or they are not the same places they were once because of yeah, <laughs> because of global change or, <laughs> yeah. or some kind of like, um, or you know they were like little rural villages and now it's like a big resort and yeah. so for me um it's, that's why it's, the saudade word is so important um this Portuguese word that came from um, the sailors would go off and, and they'd have saudade for their home or for their loved ones or this idea so that's just the theme of the body of work um, so the light bulb went off now. <laughs> well, thank you for, for explaining yeah. that to me. I appreciate I that. that yeah. <laughs> so what kind of influences do you like to draw from and, and, and why would you want to draw from them? Um, I, I like to go places and see things. Um, and I, I like to walk my dogs at the beach and take pictures of it. I don't paint from photographs. I paint more from my memory. Well, thank you very much for doing this. Then I was able to meet up with Christina. She's the art fair director for Pulse. So I would like to ask you, uh, what is this year's theme for Pulse Art Fair and, and why? So the theme is Palm in the Palms. Uh, there are 26 art fairs going on this week. Yes, there is. When we started 15 years ago, we were one of two satellite fairs that uh, took place next to Basel. And it has exponentially grown, which is exciting. This is a good thing. I love art fairs. It's where I want to be. So. You know, there's never too much of a good thing. But, there are fatigues, I'd say. Yes, it does. And people start making checklists. I've been here, I've been here, I've been here. No, I'm not a checklist. Pulse is more than an art fair, we're an experience. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. No, seriously, thank you. Yeah, so, I need to provide that for you. So that is why I have given you a digestible amount of galleries. You're not going to get exhausted by the artwork. If you need to take a break before you start looking in the middle or after, I've got alcohol, I've got food, I've got places to sit, relax, enjoy, revive, get the energy back so that you can take in the artwork, right? Because we have to remember we're here for the art. Yes, we are. That's why I'm here, too. We're really. here, right. We're here to discover new artists. We're here to appreciate artists that we know. We're here to really connect with something we all deeply love. It's an emotional thing that we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I, agree. I need to put you in that mindset. So, uh, yeah, that is what uh, Calm in the Palms is. So um, I also wanted to ask about the, because uh, I didn't, I mean, I know about Pulse, but I didn't yeah. know like a lot of the other things that you have done for Pulse. And uh, one of the questions I asked is, is, what is Pulse Project, Pulse Prize, and the Pulse Perspecto and the ideas behind that? Yeah, so we have great features every single year. So let's first go over Pulse Prize. 
post prize is for galleries that are showing only one artist. They're presenting solo booths. And uh, what we decided to do, because you're really putting all your eggs in one basket there, which is very, very risky. Very risky, yeah. So we wanted to honor that by having a prize that goes with this. So this is a prize. It's a cash grant, $2,500, that we, the fair, provide directly to the artist. So again, um, what we're trying to do is to help the next generation of emerging artists be seen. Each year, the prize is awarded to um, the artist by an outside jury. So it's not us judging it. This year, we're very honored that the ICA Miami was our jury. Um, and uh, so with that, this year, we had 12 solo presentations. And the ICA uh, decided this morning to give it to 182 Art Space. So I would absolutely go to booth 318. Which I have, yeah. And I love that experience because I get to pick out a video, I watch it, but the kicker for me was that it had the little rewind car for the VCR tape. Yeah. That, and that, that's what got me. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's like, yeah, could you rewind it after you're done? And I was like, perfect, yes, I will rewind. Such like a really, you know, rewind behind. It's such it's, like yeah. a Yeah, I mean, nice I, I grew up in Blockbuster. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can completely relate to that, seeing yeah. that little sticker on the, on the video. So. Exactly. So then our next feature is yeah. Pulse Play. And this is um, our dedication to video art. So video art is underserved, as we Very know. Very underserved. And I want to just say thank you for doing this. Oh, well, it's every year that yeah, we know, commit to it. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. This year we have Gregory Purple, uh, who is represented by Black and White Gallery and Project Space out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Gregory has created two videos, one that's 18 hours long and one that's 40 hours long. And it is his really uh, commitment, dedication, connection, um, and journey with Art in America magazines. Uh, he came to the United States from Ukraine 45 years ago. He has collected every single, he subscribed excuse me, to Art in America and Art News oh. since he's come here. And he decided to uh, really talk about where the future of art criticism, art journalism is. It used to be all in front, and art in America was the be-all end-all. It you was. You could find yeah. everything there. But now, yeah. because of the internet, because of social media, because Me. of yeah. exactly, there's a different way where we get our information. So we decided to flip through each page one last time. It took him 18 hours, and then he decided to burn them. Art fair fatigue is a thing. It is real. You got to pace yourself. The art fairs know this and have different ways of working with it. Pulse had aromatic smells. Untitled art fair had a space for one to meditate and relax. Untitled was nice. Lots of great work. I got to meet Catherine from Catherine Clark Gallery, and we talked about Stephanie Sagoko's work that was there in the booth. The next day, I was off to Wynwood. My first stop was Kadath. This fair is new and is leading away into the future of new technologies and new digital art. I had a chance to sit down with Fanny and Andrea from Kadath. So if you could introduce yourself and how you got involved with Kadath. So my name is Andrea Stoyer and I'm the director of Kadath. I got involved since the very beginning with Elena Savilev, that is the founder and owner of Kadaf, and she also has a group company called New Art Academy that does conferences on art and tech. And then Fanny and me came along, Fanny Lakubai, I should say her full name. 
Well, that's fine. That's fine. I introduced myself. <laughs> <laughs> with Vanny, we, we got involved with Elena. And then as time went by that we were doing all these conferences on art and tech, we noticed that there was a hole in the market and that there were the most brilliant, amazing artists out there that didn't have a space where to exhibit their artworks and it's all the new media art. And so we met so many at all the conferences and we decided why not throw a digital art fair and it sounded like just like an idea at a point but we got excited about it yeah. and started working on it immediately and the three of us pulled the first fair together for last May in New York 2019. We held it at the Lightbox in New York and it was a success. We got a lot of people excited. It's definitely a very tight-knit community. People are excited to have a place where they feel they belong. They're excited to feel that they have somewhere to show their works with the right environment, that we have a darker room and they, we ha they have access to screens. We try to make it all for the artworks to give it the best conditions. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to add on to that comment about uh, seeing video art you know, in, in, in fairs in general, it's it's not necessarily uh, very uh, nice to them because there, there are some venues that are just, they have to be bright. And then they have video and it's just really hard for them to quote unquote punch the light to punch through all of that stuff. So it is nice and kind of, I would say almost cozy to watch, see stuff. So yeah, I think if I can chip in here, like yeah. this, uh, uh, there's definitely uh, uh, at first, like the idea behind Kadaf and I always remember when Andrea said, funny, funny, I have the best news, best news. I saw you were pregnant. I know. And <laughs> and then uh, and then it was Kadaf that was born. So like, it was it was a good it was a very good baby. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it was uh, it was very much like a, you know us walking the fairs like together um, and seeing that like even for the main fairs, uh, video and digital art was an afterthought. And uh, you could see a few, especially in special projects. But uh, but it was just a screen on the floor, like very not like uh, right. as you said like ideal for this and i think we we all three like uh, elenandra and me like said like okay we like let's do an event we would like to go to and uh, it's a very interesting timing i think because people are like you know all like, christies and like the bigger player also play paying yeah. attention to it now and people are also tired of like the trade show like fairs uh, you know it's it's a lot um, you know, I think it was this term like fatigue, like fair fatigue. Yeah, yeah fair uh, art, art fair fatigue is is real. It's art fair fatigue. Yeah, okay. well, excuse me, art fatigue. art fair fatigue. fatigue. Yeah, okay. fatigue. It's, yeah. A fatigue. it's a real word. Okay, yeah. I mean it's a made up word. <laughs> oh, you made up the word. I no, like it's that. A, it's, I a, it's not like you see it in articles like all the oh, time. Oh yeah, like, no, you do because. The other places I've been to, they have actually, you know, have created, uh, uh, tried to help solve that problem. Untitled basically has a meditation that you can do. And uh, so you give them your, like your email address or yeah. And then they send you an email through your phone and you go to a link. Then they give you a pair of headphones to put on and you can meditate for 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I mean, here we have a VR meditation. Yeah, yeah I know. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you up the game by at least three right there. And then Pulse has uh, basically aromatic sprays in the whole place and a wellness area, you know, so it all to help, con you know, combat that fatigue. So, I mean, this is great. I think this is, uh, this is I mean, it's great to see more curated fairs like Prism, uh, which is an African uh, art fair. Like it's people want these thematic uh, things happening and and something that like, you know, like on the wellness, yes, um, but also like started last year, like this more like eco-friendly yeah. um, 
that, um, that's been another big theme you know, in a lot of these. But yeah. it's it's like yeah. Well, here the good thing is that there's no carpet. There are like <laughs> screens. There's really not much shipping going on, like because you can rent everything and it's on site. So um, that's true too. So the carbon footprint is way down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, still, people travel. I think that the one thing we can't like oh, yet, until you like, can find your, figure out how the way to teleport people. <laughs> well, I mean, all the VR experience, you know, like it's it's getting there, but it's uh, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, it's interesting. But see, people are like used here, like the. Uh, the site location, like to actually make site-specific uh, artworks, like all the. And it's very interesting how VR people say it's a very um, isolating experience because you're with your headset, but artists actually create a space around it. So it's like uh, with um, like a whole setup with plants and things, and it's like makes you like the environment. It's actually really pretty to have a VR experience or like the Carlos like painted room. Yeah. Um, like they painted all night for like a week. As I was leaving, I got the interview with Carlos. His work is audio visual 3D. It is a cosmic experience to be on the lookout for. Can you just give me a quick introduction to who you are and what kind of work you like to do? Uh, I'm Carlos Luna James, aka Mago Galactico, which means Galactic Wizard in English. I'm from Mexico, currently living in LA, and I do digital and mixed media installations. Right before we started recording, I, I couldn't help but want to talk to you about your work. I love that, because we were talking a moment ago that you're also carpenter, videographer, and sound person, because like we, you can hear the sound in the background, and I love that. And I love how the, all of it is surrounding you, the sound, and each piece has its own sound. How did you come up with uh, these themes and ideas? ideas, the concepts behind these pieces? Well, everything, it's uh, about m my dreams. And since kid, I've been an artist, and I have this world that I created since I was a kid. Uh, it's this, like, this character, nomadic shaman mm -hmm. uh, that travels to universes to meet another humankind. Or, or, or... So through that, um, he, he's met other, other beasts uh, and, and like cosmic beast so he's traveling everywhere and and uh to learn powers and uh and share information so that's kind of like the story behind of the wow no that's a pretty cool story actually and the one thing i wanted to add too is that uh, you use chroma dev uh, 3d glasses and like i told you before i, I love them I, I love i love 3d uh, chroma dev 3d over any other 3d to be honest with you but uh so when, how long have you been working on this series now? For about five years. Oh, okay. I, I come from from traditional background, like painting, but I do uh, design and animation. Uh, so I got to the point where I wanted to, to merge those two worlds. And I started like experimenting like five years ago and like uh, making this uh, new media to express my, my visions. Yeah. So that's how I kind of started like morphing into making these two worlds together. Wow. Well, I, I want to say thank you again because uh, you also have a projection, an animated projection in the back. Yeah. And, and um, like I said, I was here last night. I looked at that first, and uh, then I kind of looked at a few of these briefly. But then I had to leave, but because they were kicking everyone out. But yeah, I do projection mapping too as well. I, I do sculpture, uh, video. I like to merge the two worlds. You know, like use the physical uh, element with the with the virtual. Yeah, um, no, I, stuff, yeah. it's a very nice uh, melding of what you're doing. So, well, well, thank you for doing the interview. Uh, my pleasure. It. My pleasure. Then I made my way to Windwood Waltz. Along the way, I was enjoying the street art. The walls were great and lots of people were there and the walls had some good hard-hitting themes. Then I was off to Art Miami, 
It's about two miles from the walls, and I got to see more street art along the way. Once I got to Art Miami, I enjoyed seeing the Blue Trip artists and meeting new people. The last fair I went to was Art Basel Miami. I saw Tasha Gates' video Dance Magnolia and Isaac Julian's Linda Bodovardi's video as well. And yes, I did see the comedian, the banana duct tape to the wall, and had my picture taken with it as well. And so with that, it was an adventure and a challenge to cover and look at all these art fairs. If you want to hear full interviews from the fairs, go to artboxdnv.com to hear them. And don't forget to check out our Instagram at artboxdnv. Until next time, thank you for listening.